All right, tonight's lesson is lesson 29 in our series. Wow, we've come a long ways, right? Wow. So lesson 29, and this is the Holy Spirit and Spirit-filled Christians. So as we get started on tonight's lesson, let's have a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this evening, and thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to study your word. We want to know about your spirit, Lord. We want to know how we can work in harmony with you, how we can be led by the Holy Spirit, how we can be filled with your presence and your spirit. So, Lord, please open up our eyes, open up our hearts and minds this night that we will learn from your word the precious way of life as it is in Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your blessing and grace in this, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple quick questions I want to ask you. The first one is, do you think there is any sin so great that God cannot forgive it? No? Sin against the Holy Spirit. Yeah, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So yeah, okay, all right. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. The Bible does mention that. We want to make sure we understand what is that unpardonable sin as it's known. What does the Bible say about that? We're going to learn about it tonight as we study through and look at the Holy Spirit. It's one part of our lesson. Second question I have for you is, would it be nice to have a friend who brought you love, comfort, peace, knowledge about God, and who always told you the truth, whether the truth was easy or difficult? Yes. That would be nice? Mm-hmm, that would be nice, even if it hurts. <laughs> even if it hurts? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, yeah. Open rebuke is better than a secret love. Okay, there you go. So, you know, sometimes we maybe want friends that just tell us the good things, right? We could be tempted to say, oh, I don't want, I don't want to hear anything negative. And sometimes we think that God should only tell us what is positive, that we just want to hear the good things. Lord, tell me what's good. But if we look at the Lord's messages in the seven churches of Revelation, you notice that he mentions different things about the churches. He says, all right, this is good over here. And then this, this part is not good. This is something we need to work on here, right? Mm -hmm. so, so God actually, through the Spirit, tells us things that might not be pleasant, but things that we need to hear. Because even Jesus says, you know, if you look at the seven churches, is sorry, the seven churches, he says what the Spirit says to the churches, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear, right? So God speaking to his people and saying that the Holy Spirit is speaking to the churches, speaking to the people and telling us these things. And yes, some things are a little bit hard uh, to hear because it crosses our path or we realize, in fact, we have crossed into the wrong territory and God is correcting us through the Holy Spirit and through His Word, through the direction of His Son, um, the working of His Son. So yes, God wants to work with us, He wants to teach us, and He wants to tell us things that are even going to be a little bit uncomfortable at first. And yet, through that discomfort, God is going to help us to understand greater things, better things, truer things, and He's going to create for us a way better future than we could have even imagined before. So this is especially the work of the Holy Spirit as we see it pictured in the book of Revelation and throughout the Bible. So we're going to unpack that a little bit as we study tonight, as we look through who is the Holy Spirit and how can we be filled with the Spirit of God. Now there are a lot of people in the world today who do not really understand the Holy Spirit. In fact, there were some people that were met in Acts chapter 19, the Apostle Paul met them and they asked, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, well, we never even heard of there was a Holy Spirit. They hadn't quite heard. And so they had actually been baptized by John, the, uh, John the baptizer, but they had, not, they had not heard. Some people call him that name too. Yeah, John the Baptist, John the baptizer. You know who it is. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so they had never heard about the Holy Spirit. They did not understand that. And if we notice John 14, 17, Jesus says something here about the Holy Spirit. John 14 and verse 17. Something about how the world understands or maybe doesn't understand the Spirit of God. So if somebody has that, could you please read it? John 14, verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth 
whom the world cannot receive, because it see it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Okay, thank you very much. So here's Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. He spends a lot of time in this chapter and the next couple chapters actually highlighting the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And you'll notice there that the Spirit of truth is coming to us. And it says that the world cannot receive him because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Our body is to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. God wants His Spirit to dwell in us. If we are a believer, if we trust in the Lord, the Holy Spirit should be dwelling in our hearts. And God wants us to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. The world does not hear or know or see Him, but the believers know Him and get to experience the Holy Spirit teaching us and guiding us. We're going to look at that more how the Bible explains exactly what the Holy Spirit does, the work of the Holy Spirit. So yes, the world today does not really understand spiritual forces or the Holy Spirit himself. And I want to ask the question, is the Holy Spirit just some kind of an impersonal force? Or is the Holy Spirit actually a person of the, of the Godhead, as we find in Scripture? We want to look at the Bible for that answer. And there are a couple of verses that we can look at. One of the verses is John 16 and verse 13. So let's take a look. John 16 and verse 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. All right. Thank you very much. So Jesus teaches us about the Holy Spirit here, and he says that he will guide us into all truth. The work of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into the truth. So if we are resisting the Holy Spirit, then we're not going to be led into truth. We will be left in darkness. We will be left in deception if we resist the voice of the Holy Spirit, his leading in our lives. Now, Jesus does refer to him here with the pronoun he. It says the spirit of truth and it also says that He will guide us. So look at the actions and activities of the Holy Spirit. It says that He will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit is a guide. And then it says that He shall not speak of Himself, but whatever He hears, that shall He speak. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us and the Holy Spirit hears. So He's able to communicate and He's able to listen. Okay, that seems like more than just a force, right? Mm -hmm. That there's, there's some personal qualities about the Holy Spirit that are being mentioned here in this verse. And then the Bible tells us in, that, in the rest of that verse that He will show you things to come. So He guides us and He shows us and He teaches us and He speaks to us. These are all active things that a person would do, not just a force like some arbitrary power or force. There's actually a personality to the Holy Spirit that we see described right here. And another verse that kind of touches on this is Ephesians 4.30, where it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So the Bible says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, if it's possible to grieve the Holy Spirit, that's an emotion, isn't it? That's an emotion. So the Holy Spirit can be grieved, and we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. That is for sure. Okay, so those are some very clear things about, about the, the Holy Spirit and, you know, what He can do as a, as a person of the Godhead. There are some other references in Scripture that also, also make it very clear the nature of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we must have God's Spirit, otherwise we are not really the children of God. We must have the Holy Spirit. It's not an option not just that it would be nice to have the Holy Spirit. No, you must have the Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart. And so we find this very clearly pictured in Scripture. And there's even a passage in Romans 8 where it talks about the mind of the Spirit. I'm just trying to locate it here uh, in my Bible. I know it's in Romans chapter 8. Uh, Romans chapter 8 describes the mind of the Spirit. 
Mm, that uh, that's a different one. Different one. Yeah, that's a different one. Uh, I think it's actually after. Let's see if I can find it here. I, in my other Bible, I know right where to look. <laughs> okay, let's see here. Um, okay. I know the Holy Spirit, um, you know, kind of prays for us or intercedes for us. Okay, look at verse 26. I think this is actually where we come into it. Verse 26 and following. It says this, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So notice in verse 26 that the Holy Spirit makes groanings for us, and it says that He makes intercession for us. So He's interceding. If someone's going to intercede, that means going between us and the Father, right? So the Holy Spirit, see, Jesus is our you know, inter intercessor, right? He's our high priest, heavenly high priest. But the Holy Spirit is mingled in this process. The Holy Spirit is actually interceding for us. Because we don't know what to pray for as we should. And the Holy Spirit helps us to know what we should pray for. He enlightens our minds about what things we need to pray for. And the Holy Spirit helps to bring that message to God the way it needs to be brought. And notice here in verse 27, And he that searcheth the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And this reference to God here is God the Father, isn't it? So he makes intercession according to the will of God, that is, of God the Father. And he that searches the hearts, that would be, again, God the Father, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. Now, if the Spirit has a mind, is he not a person? If you have a mind, you, you have a personality. You have a thought process. And it says that God the Father knows what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit. So we have very clear scripture evidence that shows us, in fact, the Holy Spirit is a person of the Godhead. He might be sometimes considered the more silent or quiet member, but the Holy Spirit has a mind. Okay? Now, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all connected. Right? They're all, they're all thinking along the same lines. They're not at odds. There's perfect unity. Perfect unity. And the Bible describes God as the Godhead. So the Bible very clearly describes a personality, personal qualities of the Holy Spirit, and even a mind that the Holy Spirit in particular has. Uh, so that should, I think, be very clear about the nature of the Spirit. And the next question that we have is, has the Holy Spirit always existed, and was He known about even in Old Testament times? Because some people who are not very well versed in the Old Testament they will come and say, well, look, the New Testament says that the Holy Spirit was coming. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit hadn't quite come yet to the church. And they'll say, well, that means there wasn't a Holy Spirit before. Okay, but that would be, that would be a misunderstanding of the Scriptures. Because what Jesus was referring to was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon His church to empower them for mission. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit was outpoured upon Him to empower Him for mission in a very special sense, in a very special way. The Messiah is actually called in the Hebrew, okay, the Messiah means anointed one. Okay, what is he anointed by? He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was referring to the special outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon his church, which happened on the day of Pentecost. We find it in Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit was already known before this, and the Holy Spirit already existed because the Bible calls Him the Eternal Spirit. And we want to go back to the Old Testament to make sure that we can see some scriptures where the Holy Spirit is introduced. Why don't we start with Genesis chapter 1? Cover of the waters. That's exactly right. Yep, exactly right. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. The Bible speaks here about the Holy Spirit, and it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So there we have the Spirit of God. And notice in verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we have God, God the Father, and it says, The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And the Bible says in verse 3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God said, in other words, God spoke His word, and it was, it existed. Now, when we go to the New Testament and we look at John chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning was the 
Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it says that, that all things were created by Him. Without Him, nothing was made, nothing was created. And then it tells us that, that we beheld His glory in verse 14 of John chapter 1. We, we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus Christ is the Word. So do we see all three members of the Godhead right here in the creation story? We see God the Father, we see God the Spirit moving upon the waters, and we see the spoken word, we see God the Son taking action and creating. Pretty amazing that uh, the Lord is revealed in this way. And notice that he says later on in Genesis uh, chapter 1, like in verse 26, it says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. The Bible presents God with a plural form here. He's plural. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Elohim is a plural Hebrew form. And, and yet God is one. The Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. That's in Deuteronomy 6.4. Okay, so God is one. There is a, there's a perfect, undivided unity among Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is a perfect unity. There is unique personality or personhood, but there is a perfect unity. They are not at cross purposes with each other. They are not at odds. They are not different in mind or heart. They are fully, 100% united and in agreement with each other. And so we see God presenting Himself to us from the very beginning, from the creation story, that God presents Himself to mankind. And He was there doing His work before mankind ever breathed their first breath. And long before that, long, long before that, <laughs> eternal. The Bible says God is from eternity past. And so we see that the Holy Spirit was there from the very, very beginning. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, God said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. For that he also is flesh, and yet his days shall be in 120 years. That's Genesis 6.3. Just before the flood, the Spirit of God was striving with people to repent of their sins. Do you believe the Holy Spirit is striving with people today yes. to repent of their sins? Yes. Absolutely. And so there we, again we see that the Holy Spirit was active, working on people's hearts even before the flood came. God was appealing to them to turn away from sin before certain destruction or judgment was going to come upon the world. Are we looking ahead to future judgment? Very soon, judgment of the Lord when Jesus comes again? Yes, judgment of God will be poured out upon this world for sin, and the Holy Spirit today is also pleading with people. So, my spirit will not always strive with man. We also find in Psalm 51, verse 11, David prayed this prayer of repentance and he said, Take not your Holy Spirit from me. That's Psalm 51, 11. That was David's prayer of repentance after he had committed adultery with a woman and even murdered her husband by sending him out to be slaughtered by the sword and arrows of the enemy. David was very guilty. He should have died. He had done great wickedness before the Lord. And he prayed, you know, God, please take not your Holy Spirit from me, right? And so that's quite a solemn prayer. David knew about the Holy Spirit. And we look throughout the biblical prophets and they all said, you know, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus said those words, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. But the Bible speaks about the prophets in the Old Testament that the Spirit of God came upon people and, and taught them and led them. And the New Testament tells us that the Spirit of God, it actually um, led people to write the Bible. Okay, so in fact, let's go over to 2 Peter for just a moment in the New Testament. The New Testament, 2 Peter. And we should find, let me get that page open, 2 Peter, so chapter, I might be in the wrong spot there. No, I'm, let's see, I know why, my page is on the wrong page. Okay. So, 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to look there from verse, verse 20. It says this, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, 
But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the, what? The Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit. So did the New Testament writers recognize that the Holy Spirit was already with us from the beginning? That the Holy Spirit, in fact, inspired all the writers of Scripture throughout history, beginning with Moses and Genesis all the way on down to the time that they were living in? Yes. Okay, the Holy Spirit was already active in the world and working with God's people. And the Holy Spirit inspired the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, holy men of old, they were moved. They were men of God, men of God. And they were moved by the Holy Spirit to write down the things that we have in Scripture. So let me ask you, is the Holy Spirit ever going to say something different from the Scriptures? No. No way. Because He inspired the Scriptures, right? He's not going to change His tone because the Bible says that God does not change. The Lord says, I am I'm the Lord. I don't, I don't change, right? Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So when God gives us the scriptures, we can live by those. We can live by the word of God. That's how Jesus overcame. It is written, it is written, it is written. Every temptation he faced, he came back with the scriptures. We are called to do the same, to come back through the scriptures. The Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures. When the Holy Spirit teaches us, he will teach us according to the word of God. Now, the next question that we have is, how do you get the Holy Spirit to work in your life? And there are several ways. First of all, I want to note, we've already looked at Genesis 6-3, and we saw that God's Spirit was working to draw people away from the world. Now, the world doesn't really know God and His Spirit. Some of those, a lot of those people actually did know about God, but they weren't following God. And so God was trying to wrestle with them, wrestle with their hearts, and, and they rejected the Holy Spirit, and they just went out into the world. So today, the Holy Spirit is speaking to minds and consciences. We, we know that even from, from Romans chapter 2, where it talks about the Gentiles who have not the law of God, but um, they have evidence that the law of God has been written on their hearts. And the Holy Spirit speaks to their conscience, says their conscience convicting them, uh, maybe accusing them or excusing them. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit wants to heighten our, our level of awareness. He wants to prick our conscience so that we really think about things in light of how God would think about things. And He wants us to have a more sensitive conscience, especially to be led by Him, directed by Him, and to do what's right. So the Holy Spirit is appealing to people in the world today, whether they realize it or not. And yet hopefully they're going to realize it and respond to the voice of God to their soul. Too often today, people are drowning out the voice of the Holy Spirit by plugging into worldly music and worldly culture and television programs, and they're running from one thing to the next. They want constant excitement. They never want any moments of silence. They never go out in nature where you can be around creation and stillness and quietness where the Spirit of God can communicate with the mind. People are unplugged from listening to God. And they're not hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. But God is pleading. God is working. So that's the very first level of interaction with the Holy Spirit that we would have. And then when we choose to listen to the Holy Spirit and follow Him, we'll notice that we can receive more of the Spirit. Let's turn over to John 16, verse 14. John 16 and verse 14. He shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. Okay, yeah, thank you. So it says there that the Holy Spirit will glorify me. Um, and, and you can kind of look at this from the previous verse as well. Um, but it says he will glorify me. Who's the me there? That's Christ, isn't it? That's Jesus. And it says, for he shall receive of mine. And will show it unto you. Now I want to I want to read verse thirteen as well. Okay, I think it's I think it applies here. It says, "Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of Truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come." So again, the Holy Spirit is is speaking to us. He is teaching us. He is leading us. He is guiding us. Now, if we listen to His voice, then we will glorify Christ and we will come to Christ, right? If we don't listen to His voice, we're not really going to connect with the Holy Spirit, okay? 
So the first thing is, of course, listening. That the Holy Spirit is coming to teach us, He's coming to show us, and God wants us to, to listen and to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so we see there that He will glorify Christ and um, He will receive of mine and show it unto you. So the things that Christ has said, the Holy Spirit will reinforce. Again, He's not going to reinvent some other different message. <laughs> okay, so the first thing is we see that the Holy Spirit is speaking to people. And then we see that we need to obey the voice of the Spirit and we need to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. Because notice He glorifies Jesus in that verse. He glorifies Jesus. So guess what? If you hear about Jesus and you don't receive Jesus, are you going to receive more of the Holy Spirit? No. No. Because the first thing that you need is to hear about Jesus and receive Jesus Christ. If you receive Jesus Christ, you're going to receive a lot more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's already working to lead us to Christ because we're not going to make that connection on our own. The Holy Spirit's going to reveal to us, right? So He's already working. Um, but we also have to make a choice. We have to make a decision. When we hear about Jesus Christ, when God convicts our hearts, we need to respond to the voice of the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. So you make that decision to accept Jesus as your Savior. You've just opened the door for the Holy Spirit to come into your life. You've just said, Lord, I'm willing. Come and teach me more about Jesus. Come and teach me your way. And so the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus, and you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit when you choose to believe and trust in Jesus Christ. You are responding in a positive way to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So you're definitely going to receive more of the Spirit by making that step of faith, that leap of faith to trust in Jesus Christ. And the third point here is that we can also ask God for more of His Spirit in our lives, and we should do that. We should ask God. So let's turn over to Luke 11, 9 through 13. So Luke, right before John, Luke chapter 11, we're going to look at 9 through 13. Luke chapter 11, 9 through 13. And especially verse 13, I think, points this out. But Luke 11, verse 9, and it says this, And I say unto you, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And what is the answer to that? Not unless you're crazy, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, no, he's gonna, you know, if he's a father that cares about his son, he's gonna give what his son is asking for, right? And so think about this. God is saying in contrast, because look at this in verse 13, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father Give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. So, here we are, evil sinners in this world. God's working to convert us, transform us. And He says, but even as a wicked sinner, you basically know how to give a good gift to your child. How about your Heavenly Father who's not wicked? How about your Heavenly Father who's only good? Does He know how to give good gifts to those who ask Him? Yes, he does, right? And so the Bible tells us we should ask for the Holy Spirit. Do you think that we should only ask once and say, all right, I'm good, I ask God, I, I expect he'll just give me the Holy Spirit every day for the rest of my life? No. No. <laughs> no. Uh -uh. We need to ask again, right? We need to ask again. We need to, we need, every day we need to renew our hearts with the Lord and, and pray for the Holy Spirit. When we open up the Bible to read, remember we want God to be our teacher and the Holy Spirit inspired this book. So we pray, Lord, please guide us by your Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Please teach us what you have shown us here, what you have given us here. Because we need the enlightenment of the Spirit of God and our ears need to be attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit so that we'll hear what God wants us to hear. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we need to pray when we come before God and we want to read the Bible and say, Lord, please help me to understand your word. Please show me by the Holy Spirit. Please teach me and fill me and change my heart. 
You know, do what you want to do in my life, right? Lead me in the righteous way. We need to pray that God will do that in us and let us be shapeable. Let us be moldable, right? Because God wants to do that in all of us. He wants to change us. But we need to be willing because He's not going to do it if we're not willing. Yeah, and so the Holy Spirit wants to teach us. He wants to show us. He wants to guide us. So Jesus says here in this verse of Luke 11, He says, pray for the Holy Spirit. God gives good gifts to those who ask. The church on the day of Pentecost, they had been praying for the Holy Spirit. They've been praying before God outpoured the Holy Spirit. Because God is more willing to give than we are to receive, than we are to ask. We should ask, and He promises to give good gifts. So, you want the Holy Spirit? Ask Him. Daily ask Him. Ask the Lord to guide us and teach us His will for our lives through the Holy Spirit. So this is how we are able to continue on growing and receiving more of the Holy Spirit. Now here's another important principle for this. This is found in Acts 5.32. Acts 5.32. And here in this chapter, we find something important about the Holy Spirit. Who can read this for us? And we are His witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God has given to them that obey Him. Thank you very much. Now, some people have asked, I mean, I'm sure this is probably obvious to all of us here, um, but maybe somebody listen, listening might also have this question. Somebody asked if the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit are the same thing. Yes, yes it's the same. It's just that they had a different way of rendering it in the Old English Bible. And so they would often say Holy Ghost, but we say Holy Spirit commonly today. Either one we should understand is the same person that's being talked about. And so the Bible says here in verse 32 that um, we are His witnesses of these things. In other words, we're witnessing about the truth of Christ. And it says, and so is also the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is witnessing about the truth of Christ. And then it says, whom God has given to them that obey Him. Is that an important principle for how to have the Holy Spirit, how to be Spirit-filled Christians? Is that important? That we obey the voice of God? Not just that we show up and claim, hey, yes, I'm a follower of God. I'm in the congregation. Is that enough? No. No. We actually need to be obedient to His voice. Okay? Because there have been many people throughout history who were among Israel, right? Who were in the, the group. Who were in the church. And yet not everybody was listening to the Holy Spirit, right? And in fact, in the days of Jesus, there were many people in Israel who were even leaders in Israel. And what did Jesus warn them about? He said, you guys are in danger of doing something here. You're in danger of committing the unpardonable sin against the Holy Spirit. So they were not surrendering to the Spirit. They were not being led by the Holy Spirit, even though they were in the right place and in powerful positions but they did not have the Spirit of God. Is that true today, that this could be the case? People in the right place, in the right church, even in powerful positions, but not have the Holy Spirit? Not be led by the wisdom of God? Oh, it's possible, and it's sad, and it's dangerous. We don't want that to happen to us. We don't want to be destitute of the Spirit of God. We want to be filled with the Spirit of God. We want to have His presence in our lives and be led by the Spirit of God. And so to experience that, we must, we must um, you know, follow the conditions that God has laid down in His Word. And, and a big part of that is that the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey God. The Holy Spirit is given to those who follow the Word of God, who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. When we choose daily to listen to His voice and do what He says, then we're going to receive more of the Holy Spirit. And God wants us to do that, to come into closer relationship with Him, to get very intimate with God. Because, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to live where there's wickedness and sin and defilement. He wants to teach us to move away from those things and to come closer to God, to draw nearer to God. The Bible says, draw near to God and He will draw nigh to you, right? In James, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. So we have the choice to draw nearer 
and to listen to his voice and to say, all right, Lord, I want to do your will. I want to surrender to what you have said in your word. I want to obey what you have said. There are some people who will say, oh, well, the Bible says that, but I think the Holy Spirit's telling me that I don't have to do that. Wait a second here. Wait a second here. Is that really the Holy Spirit talking to you? Because the Bible says that he will not speak of his own. But he will tell us what Christ has said. He will tell us what the Word of God says, which he inspired. Holy Spirit is always going to bring us back to, It is written, Thus saith the Lord. God has revealed it. The Holy Spirit has inspired holy men of God to write these things down for us. So the Holy Spirit is guiding us to obey the voice of God. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey the voice of God. So we realized already the Holy Spirit is working on people, but to receive the Holy Spirit, we must, we must listen to Him. And, to, and that involves receiving Jesus Christ, who paid for our sins. That involves putting faith in Jesus Christ. You're surrendering to the Holy Spirit by choosing Jesus. Then the Bible tells us that we need to pray and ask God for the Spirit daily in our lives for more of the Holy Spirit, and God will give to those who ask. We need to be people who ask. That is, people who pray. If you don't pray, you won't have the Holy Spirit. If you don't connect with God in prayer, asking, you won't receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit. We need to be spiritually minded, prayerful people, seeking God. And then we're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And we need to obey the voice of God, to be obedient to His voice. And that's where we draw nigh to God, and God draws nigh to us. The Holy Spirit can really fill us. Wow, I want more of the Holy Spirit like that, right? To be really filled with the Spirit and then used by God and be asking God every day, you know, Lord, how, how would you like to use me today? Lord, what would you like to do? Because every situation we're in, God gives those opportunities to plant seeds of truth, doesn't He? Whatever kinds of interactions we have throughout the day, um, God wants to use us in His service and sometimes inspire us to do things that we wouldn't normally do and give us a chance to witness for Him. So, very important principles. Now, another uh, important principle is found in Matthew 3.16, and that is the baptism of Jesus. The Bible says that when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended upon Him like a dove and empowered Him for the work of ministry, right? So, the Holy Spirit wants to, wants to baptize us in a sense, right? Baptism by fire, baptism by the Holy Spirit. He wants to really fill us because Jesus... You know, Jesus was baptized by water, and he was following the will of God for his life in doing so. And then he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. So we need to make the choice to surrender to God and to follow Christ and his word in baptism. We receive Jesus. Okay, you believe in Jesus. That's perfect. That's great. You're listening to the Holy Spirit. Next step, we need to be baptized. <laughs> follow what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you believe in me, be baptized. Okay, so, so we follow the voice of the Holy Spirit and Jesus and we are baptized by water. By water, that's important. And then the Bible says, especially, be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a couple instances in the book of Acts, at least one, where there was an opposite direction to things, right? Where some people who were Gentiles, God baptized them by the Holy Spirit and they said, wait a second, God just gave them the Holy Spirit. Can we forbid them water? And they said, let's baptize them in the water. So there's a case in, in Acts where that happened. Oftentimes, usually I would say it's the water because you're following his voice and then baptism of the Holy Spirit. But there, there was for sure an instance where God said, you know what, I'm going to baptize him with the Holy Spirit right now. And I'm going to let you know that you need to baptize him in the water. <laughs> so he did that in the book of Acts. It's good to know about that. We want to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit for the work of ministry, like God's faithful ones throughout the ages past, right? God wants His people, His church, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Each of us, our body, is to be the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So, so we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit abide there and let the heart be purified so that the Lord can, in fullness, come to our heart, right? He can take out those bad things that shouldn't be there and then really fill us with the Spirit of God. This is what we need. We need this connection with the Lord. Another question, what does the Holy Spirit do for us? Does every born-again Christian have to have the Holy Spirit 
Is the Spirit God's presence abiding in us? And of course, the answer to that is that yes, we have to have the Holy Spirit. And, and what does He do for us? Well, we've been talking about that, but we're going to see a few more things in detail of what the Holy Spirit does. So let's take a look at John 16 and verse 8. John 16 and verse 8, if we can have somebody read that for us. And when He is come, He will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Thank you very much. So the Bible tells us that when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And the word reprove, it uh, very much aligns with the word convict, right? That He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So what is it that the Holy Spirit is doing? Well, we see that He is showing us what's wrong in our lives. And that's where we're like, ooh, that feels a little bit uncomfortable. Have you ever been there where you've done something, you've made a mistake, and you get pricked in your conscience like, ooh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that, or, or thought that way, or acted that way, or whatever it was. Um, God's Spirit, he will, he'll convict us. He'll let us know. If you already know the Holy Spirit, sometimes you do something really wrong, and He pulls back His presence. He's like, I'm not going to participate in that. That's all you. That's not me. And then you're like, ooh, wait a second. What did I do? Right? You realize, okay, that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> so I need to pray to God, forgive me, Lord, cleanse me of my sins, and help me to do your will. And so, so God convicts us. He shows us when we have done something wrong. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, convicting us of sin. And then the Bible says convicting us of righteousness. Not only does He show us what's wrong and what needs to go, but He points out what is right and what we should be doing, what we need to do. So he inspires us and he shows us, hey, this is the right thing over here. This is what you need to do. Go and change your ways. Go and reform, right? And so he calls us to do that. And then the, the last part is that he convicts us of judgment. In other words, he, he shows us that, hey, look, you better make a right decision on this. Because if you don't make a right decision on this and get rid of the sin and choose what is right, then you're going to face the judge. And you'll be in trouble if you don't surrender that to God, right? So it makes a lot of sense what Jesus is saying here, that the Holy Spirit shows us what we need to do and why we need to do it. He helps us to take action on it. So God will make us uncomfortable when something is not right in our lives, it's not according to His will, so that we will surrender and say, okay, Lord, I want to do Your will. And then the peace of God will flood your soul. Then you will feel the blessing of the Lord. Uh, so we want that. We want the peace of God in our soul, right? We want the blessing of the Lord. And so he is working to teach us, to convict us, to instruct us. The Bible tells us in Romans 8 that if we don't have the Holy Spirit, that we are not really belonging to God. That's pretty serious, isn't it? That we need the Holy Spirit so much. And there's another verse from John 14 that I want to share with you. John 14 and verse 26, I will go ahead and read this one. It says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit reminds us of God's Word. Mm -hmm. That's what He brings to our mind as Scripture. So is it important that we study the Scripture? Yes. Is it important that we know what Jesus says? Because if we haven't prayed about it and read it and studied it, then we would not have stored the seed of God's Word there. And the Holy Spirit wants to bring back to our minds, to our remembrance, what God has said to us. Again, He's not going to lead us contrary to what the Word says. You know, He's going to lead us according to what the Word says. So, you're never going to get a different signal. Oh, the Bible says that, but the Spirit, uh -uh, that's the wrong Spirit you're listening to. Because the right Spirit, God's Spirit, will lead us according to exactly what Jesus has said to us. He'll bring it back to our minds. So, even Jesus says very clearly right there, the work of the Holy Spirit. So very, very, very important that we listen to the Holy Spirit, that we follow His leading and we follow His guiding in everything. And we've already read John 16, um, 13 a couple times, so we don't really have to go back there, but it just basically points out the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Are we going to learn Bible truth if we don't listen to the Spirit of God? 
No. And if we reject Bible truth, then what are we receiving instead? Error, right? We're receiving deception. We're receiving lies. If we don't receive the truth of the Bible, then we're receiving deception. The Holy Spirit is not deceiving anyone. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. He only speaks the truth. He will guide us into all truth. So is it important to have Bible truth? Yes. Yeah. In John chapter 4, Jesus said that the true worshipers of God will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Yeah. So we can't just be all excited about Jesus and then say, well, but I don't really want to follow that. <laughs> you need to follow what the Bible says. Because even Jesus said in John 17, 17, He said, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth. The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. So He's going to lead us to follow the Bible. He's going to show us what truth is. And, and we don't want to be deceived. You know, too often people are resisting the Holy Spirit because they don't like the conclusions of the Holy Spirit because it's not what they want to accept. Case in point, people rejected Jesus when He is the way, the truth, and the life. How could we reject the truth? Because we love darkness rather than light. And that's the problem, even today, right? That we love our own ways, we love what we heard before, we're comfortable with it, we don't want to be changed, we don't want to see more truth, we feel like we have enough truth, like if my grandfather didn't figure it out, then... Who am I? I'm not going to figure out anything more. Well, if you have that attitude, you'll never learn what the Bible says, right? Okay? If you're willing to listen to God, if you're willing to follow the Holy Spirit's leading, He's going to guide you into all truth. God has more to teach all of us from the Word, doesn't He? He has more to teach all of us. And this series, the Three Angels series, presents a lot of truth, doesn't it? And the truth we've been learning in this series, it calls us to make changes in our lives. And God wants us to surrender to Him and to embrace His truth and to make those changes because He wants us to come into harmony with the voice of the Holy Spirit and to not be at odds with the will of God. So God is calling us to take action and to stand according to Bible truth, what the Holy Spirit has been revealing from the Word of God. The Bible tells us that we must be born again, John 3. It tells us that we must be born of the Holy Spirit, right? And I want to look for a moment at those verses, John 3, verses 7 and 8, where Jesus explains what it means and what it is like to be led by the Holy Spirit. John 3, I'm going to look at verse 7 there, and verse 8. Who can read that for us? Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it, where it listeth. Yeah, basically where it wills, where it wants where to go. Mm -hmm. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst tell uh, where it is coming or whether it is going. Uh, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Okay, so notice what Jesus says. He says, first of all, you must be born of the Spirit. Not optional, is it? That's an imperative. You must. You must be born of the Spirit. If you want to follow God, you must be born of the Spirit. Because otherwise, you're going to follow the flesh. The Bible says don't follow the flesh, but follow the Holy Spirit. So, so you must be born of the Spirit. When you are born again, as Jesus describes here in John 3, that means you're born of the Spirit, born of the Holy Spirit. And you might wonder, okay, what does that mean to have that spiritual rebirth or be born of the Spirit? It says in verse 8, The wind blows where it listeth, or where it will, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell whence it comes and whither it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, the wind itself, we don't see it, do we? You'll notice if there's wind, because you can feel the wind blowing on you and those little hair receptors, those little sensors, you can feel the wind and the pressure on you. So you know there's wind. And you can kind of feel the direction of the wind, you know, when it's pushing on you. And if you look up and you see like a tree or a windsock, like at an airport, you're going to see 
that the wind is there. You're going to see that the wind is present. Maybe it's blowing a flag in the sky. You'll see that the wind is present, and because of those things, you kind of see yeah, where the wind is going, just because of the effects of it. But the wind itself you cannot see, and that's true of the Holy Spirit. We cannot see the Holy Spirit. However, you can recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit. You can recognize that He's there and He's doing something, that something is changing in our hearts, something is changing in our lives, that there's some kind of fruit, that our decisions are different, that we want to think a different way, we want to choose a different path. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah? You start to recognize that. You're like, wow, the Holy Spirit is at work here. The Holy Spirit is doing something here. The Holy Spirit wants to change things. And so you see the effects of the Spirit of God. And that is evidence that the Spirit of God is there and the Spirit of God is at work in our lives. Okay? So this is commonly known as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible mentions the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. These are from the writings of Paul, letters of Paul. Uh, so if you can find Galatians, we're going to look there at chapter 5, beginning with verse 22. You find it? Galatians 5.22, and I'll read this here. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Another word for that is, is patience. Suffering a long time, that's patience. <laughs> so you have love, joy, peace, patience, or long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And verse 24, they that have crucified the, I'm oh, sorry, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So we're going to walk in the Spirit. We're going to follow the Spirit of God. And this is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience. And it goes on to list the other fruit of the Spirit. Now, this fruit comes in a package. Okay, it's not just like, oh, well, I have, I have love, but I don't have joy, I don't have peace, I don't have patience. No, sorry, that's not it. <laughs> okay, this fruit, this are, these are kindred fruit that they grow together when the Holy Spirit is there present. And so God wants us to have love and joy and peace and patience. Yes, patience means if we don't always see eye to eye with people, we're patient with them. If somebody does something that kind of like gets in our way and slows us down and we want to go quicker, we have to be patient. And I'm sure we've all failed on many of these points, but God does not want us to be failures, right? God wants us to overcome through His grace, through His Spirit, through His love, through His power working in our lives to transform us. And so it tells us there that uh, we need gentleness, Jesus was gentle with people. He wasn't rough and harsh. He was gentle. And so the Holy Spirit wants to do that in our lives too. And you look at our lives and you say, Lord, please refine me. Lord, cleanse me. Lord, mold me and shape me. Fashion me according to your will. Right? Because we realize at times, especially when the Holy Spirit brings it to our mind, that, you know what, we haven't been as gentle as we should be. We haven't been as patient as we should be have been. And God wants us to be more patient, more filled with love, more filled with joy, more filled with peace, and more gentle, more good. It says goodness, doing what's good, having more faith, having more meekness or humility, and temperance is self-control. Sometimes we say, oh, I just, I can't help myself. I have these outbursts, right? Well, does the Holy Spirit want us to have self-control? He does right? So this is the fruit that is born on the tree. And realize also that fruit takes some time to grow, doesn't it? It takes some time and it takes attention too. We grew a garden this year and we had to make sure that there was water on that garden. We had to go out there and make sure there was getting enough water. Generally every day you've got to put some kind of water and it needs sunshine every day. 
It's got to have sun. It's got to have the nutrients from the earth. Without those things, it's not going to grow, right? So you have to intentionally create the environment where we can be growing Christians, where we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and be transformed by the Holy Spirit. And you watch how fruit comes on it. It's not just like, okay, you plant a seed and then you go out tomorrow and, oh, wow, look at all the fruit. It's all here. <laughs> be nice. But we wouldn't have to be patient to wait for it. <laughs> You gotta be patient and wait. Oh, how many more months? How many more weeks until it produces some good fruit? And and you want to watch that fruit. It starts coming on. You're like, oh, it's green. Must be good, right? Maybe not. <laughs> Let it grow some more, and keep giving it water, and keep giving it sunshine, nutrients, and all that stuff, and it can grow. So the fruit of the Holy Spirit, God wants it to grow and ripen and enrich in our lives. We have to be continually connected to the Lord Jesus Christ for that fruit to really grow, that fruit of the Holy Spirit. We must go deeper with the Lord each day so that it can grow. He can do what He wants to do in our lives. And the Holy Spirit will convict us when we're not looking like Him. We make a mistake, we say something, oh, shouldn't have said that, right? And God is trying to change us. He doesn't want us to be, um, you know, walking in the flesh outbursts of who knows what, you know, impatience or, or pride or something like that, uh, a wrong word, a wrong attitude. God doesn't want that in our lives. And, you know, we've all been faulty. We've all fallen short of God's will. But the Lord is saying, you know what? It's time to be changed. It's time to have more of the Holy Spirit. It's time to obey, obey the voice of God, right? So that's what the Lord is calling us to. He's calling us to that deeper experience in Him, that deeper walk. And the evidence, the evidence that we have the Holy Spirit is the, the fruit of the Spirit. Some people confuse that and they say, well, they say, unless you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like you, you speak in strange sounds or tongues or something, then, oh, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Well, wait a second. The evidence is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are for ministry. And yes, if we have the genuine gifts, it can also be an evidence that the Holy Spirit is present there. However, people who claim to have the, uh, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit but don't have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, I mean, at least on some level, the fruit's growing there, right? Because Jesus said that you shall know them by their fruit, didn't He? He said you'll know them by their fruit. So that's what the Lord wants us to realize, that we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, recognizing that the Holy Spirit is present there, doing something, changing something in our lives. Um, you may not always feel a height of emotion, but you'll recognize the Holy Spirit's there. Then the Holy Spirit empowers us with gifts, and there's a lot of gifts, but I just want to point out from our lesson notes, 1 Corinthians 1.7, the Bible says that the church will come behind in no gift, waiting for the second coming of Christ. You notice that? 1 Corinthians 1, 7, the church will come behind in no gift, waiting for the second coming of Christ. Okay? So realize that there are a diversity of gifts. You can read about them in 1 Corinthians 14, also 1 Corinthians 12. You can read about a variety of gifts, like leadership, um, gift of preaching, teaching, gift of prophecy, gift of tongues uh, or languages, which was, which was ultimately used to communicate the gospel, right? We know that the division of the languages at the Tower of Babel was confusion. And a lot of, a lot of languages all spoken in one place just brings confusion because nobody understands what's even being said. God does not want Babylon in His church today. He does not want confusion in His church today among His people. That's not what the Spirit of God does. We have to recognize there's a true gift and there's a counterfeit gift. The Bible says there were, there were true prophets in, the, in Scripture, right? But there were also false prophets. And we had to recognize the difference and be discerning Christians, right? And this is true with a lot of these other things, that there are true gifts and there are counterfeit gifts. And so we want to make sure that we are truly being led by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, recognizing that the Holy Spirit gives to everyone according to His will. Um, that's what we need to know, right? That's what we need to understand, that the Holy Spirit gives um, accordingly, so according to His will. So, if so if, for example, if you don't have the gift of tongues, but you have the gift of leadership from the Holy Spirit, 
Do you still have a spiritual gift? Yes. Do you all have to have the same gift? No, no you don't. I mean, go, go home and read 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. Does everybody have the same gift? No. You have different gifts. Sometimes people have multiple gifts. And God wants us to use them in His service, right? So we have to recognize that, that God gives different gifts to different people. And together we are the body of Christ. Together we can do ministry because God has given us different gifts to different people. We need to understand that clearly. So um, this information, some of it is clearly there in your notes. You can look at it later. You can read those scriptures. But I just want to give you a little summary of what's there. And the Bible says again, the church will come behind in no gift waiting for the second coming of Christ. That's in 1 Corinthians 1.7. So don't think that the church today will have less power and blessing and gifts than it had in the beginning. But remember that God gives certain gifts for certain reasons at certain times. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. He's not going to give a gift that we don't necessarily need in our situation. If you all speak English and you all understand each other, why would he need to give the gift of tongues? Okay? If somebody comes in speaking Spanish and nobody can speak Spanish, you might need to learn how to speak Spanish from the Holy Spirit. Maybe God will teach you what you've never learned before. He'll show it to you without even... It's possible. But it's only going to come if God sees fit that it will come and that it will glorify God and not glorify man. Because some of us might maybe get an ego trip off of that. It's like, whoa, look at me. I've got the gift. You know. So if it will glorify self and exalt pride of a, of a person, of a human... God's not going to do that because He knows what our character needs and what our character doesn't need. Mm -hmm. So the Spirit will do things in ways that we don't expect at the time of His own choosing and not our own choosing. It's up to God and not up to man. It's the Spirit who gives according to His will and not man's will. Now, the last thought, and then we're done, is Matthew 12, 31 and 32. Matthew 12... 31 and 32. This is about the unpardonable sin. And this is what the Bible says. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And some people wonder, wow, have I committed the unpardonable sin? Jesus says it won't be forgiven. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Some people wonder, well, does that mean if I curse against the Holy Spirit, if I use God's name in vain, if I say something? And, you know, a lot of people have done those kinds of things, right? And a lot of people have been tempted to do that and think, oh, if I do that, I won't be forgiven. But that's not exactly what Jesus is saying here, that if you just slip up and said a word that was against God and against the Holy Spirit and you caused grief to the Holy Spirit, He's not saying that you would be immediately abandoned by the Holy Spirit, Okay. The Holy Spirit will not approve of it for sure. If it's wrong, if it's a sin, He's going to let you know. He's going to say that. Okay? But you'll notice here what Jesus gets at in verse 32. He says, Whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever shall uh, speaketh against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. And again, that's where some people kind of get that idea, like, oh, if I just say a word, you know, then God's going to... If I say something bad about the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be done for, right? Um, and, you know, you have to understand this. There's like two sides of the coin, right? Like people just saying something foolish, okay, you know, they committed a sin. Yeah, they can be forgiven. But here's the thing. If the Holy Spirit is working and you recognize His working, you recognize His voice, and then you say, that's not the Holy Spirit. You say, I'm not going to go along with that and you reject what the Holy Spirit's doing, then you are beginning to commit the unpardonable sin because if you recognize the Holy Spirit as not holy, as not the Spirit of God, and you basically say, no, that's not the voice of God, and you tune out the Holy Spirit, and you want to do your own thing and reject what God is saying to you, then you are very much in danger of committing the unpardonable sin because you have to think about the context in this chapter of Matthew 12. The Pharisees had accused Jesus of casting out evil spirits by the, by the spirit of Beelzebub. In other words, the devil. Mm -hmm. They said, Jesus, you're devilish. You're just in tune with the devil. And that's why you have this apparent power and you're casting out demons. You're doing it by the spirit of Satan. 
So here they were, they were literally and very much committed uh, to speaking against the Holy Spirit and speaking against Jesus and saying that's not the work of God and they're rejecting the voice of God, they're rejecting Jesus, they're rejecting the voice of the Holy Spirit, they're saying that's the work of the devil. If you are so confused and you want to reject what the Holy Spirit is doing and teaching, you'll be left in utter darkness. You'll be left in utter confusion. Okay, It is like turning the, the voice of the radio down. That radio might be playing, but you're not hearing it anymore. And you're like, no, I'm not going to hear that. That's, that's wrong. That's the devil right there. Mm-hmm. And you turn down the truth and you turn down the Holy Spirit. How are you ever going to repent? How are you ever going to turn away from your sin? Because Jesus said all manner of sin will be forgiven. Even Moses committed murder. Even David committed murder and adultery. Wicked. Corrupt. And yet, was God able to offer forgiveness? He was. So it was not a single particular sin. But when people cling on to sin in their own way and reject the voice of God's Spirit to us, that's when you begin to commit the unpardonable sin. So most people who are afraid that they've committed it usually have not committed the unpardonable sin because if you're afraid that you have, then probably there's some kind of sensitive conscience yet that you, you realize, oh, what have I done or what am I doing? Uh, so there's hope for us. Um, but basically, if you think that you're good and you're saved and everyone else is the devil, you're heading for a bad place. That's true. <laughs> right? You're heading for a bad place. Because they thought, these guys are like, well, we know God. We don't need that. Look at that. Religious claiming to follow God and rejected the Holy Spirit. Mm. Dangerous place. Dangerous. Uh-huh. Very dangerous. So that is what Jesus was warning about. So don't deny the truth of God's word. Don't deny the prophecies and the truth that we've been studying, like we looked at the three angels' messages. Don't deny, deny what God says in His word. That's very dangerous. Don't turn away from the Holy Spirit, but obey the Holy Spirit. Surrender to God. Do not classify the truth with the work of Satan. Recognize who the Spirit of God is. Recognize the truth from the Bible and surrender. Surrender to the voice of God, lest we be left in darkness. So the final question, the heart question for us is this. Would you like to continually obey and be led by God's Spirit to follow Him in everything He reveals to you in His Word? Yes. Me too. I want to follow what God says in the Bible. I want to follow what the Holy Spirit is telling us through the Word of God. And that means surrender to the voice of God. Shall we pray for that? Our Father in heaven, we want to surrender to you tonight. We want to give our hearts and minds to you, Lord. Cleanse us from all evil. Cleanse us from all sin. Cleanse us, Lord, from our errors. Please shape our hearts and minds, Lord. Please change us. We have fallen short of your will in so many ways. Please show us who you want us to be, Lord. Show us where we have gone wrong, where we have sinned, and show us what is right according to your will. And I pray, Lord, that we would listen to your voice and follow you, that we make the right choices and surrender to you so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit, and not stagnating our, ourselves, not putting ourselves in the path of sin and rebellion. But Lord, may we be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit so that we ultimately do not commit the unpardonable sin and reject the voice of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your mercies and for your truth here in this lesson tonight. May your Spirit guide us in all things, into all truth. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.